1: Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Lilly, and this is the Witch Shorts podcast. Here on Witch Shorts we bring you the very best articles from across Witch covering everything from tech and garden advice to travel, money and more. If you like what you're hearing then don't forget to subscribe and also leave us a rating and a review too. This week we're talking battery power, asking whether the batteries used in our devices now hold as much power as they're ever going to be able to and we explore what the future holds. To read this article, originally written by James O'Malley, I'll hand you over to Harry Kind.
0: When I upgraded my phone recently, something about it astonished me. It wasn't the slightly sharper screen or the more responsive operating system. It was that I didn't have to worry about the battery running out. It wasn't so long ago that if I knew it would be a long day, I'd lurch from meeting to meeting, glancing downwards, looking for plug sockets for a quick recharge. A portable battery could always be found at the bottom of my bag. So could it be that there have been seriously impressive innovations in battery technology? Or is this improved performance just an illusion? They definitely are improving, says Anna Wise, the former head of battery technology at Innovate UK, the government's innovation agency. Over the past 10 to 15 years or so, the amount of energy that you can fit in a given volume of battery has pretty much tripled. Today, Anna works for a company called Niobolt, which is working on improving electric car charging. And she has seen battery technology improve firsthand. It's down to a combination of factors, she explains. One is improving the materials inside batteries so that they are designed to hold more energy and deliver that energy more quickly. But there are also improvements in how batteries are actually made to optimise the efficiency of that construction. So let's find out what those improvements actually are. Modern batteries work in the same way we were taught in school. There's an anode, a cathode and an electrolyte solution known as an active material that lies between them. When a circuit is completed, electrons flow out of the anode to the cathode through the circuit, powering our gadgets en route. And to balance this discharge, the ions created by the particles losing electrons flow through the electrolyte solution into the cathode. And this is still the case. But over the past couple of decades, what has improved is the quality of materials used for each of these three components, how they are manufactured and how they are used inside of batteries. The fundamental chemistry is not enormously different from where Sony was with the first lithium-ion batteries in the early 1990s, but every single aspect of the chemistry has been improved several times, says Dr Peter Baker from the Faraday Institution, which is dedicated to researching battery technology. One example of the improvement is in terms of energy density, the measure of how much energy can be squeezed into the same size battery. Within a battery, you have your active material, which stores the energy and moves it around, says Wise. There have been vast improvements in terms of increasing that proportion of the active material. And in terms of the active materials, there have been adjustments to the structures and the chemistries within them, so materials can hold more lithium or transfer it more quickly. An example of energy density improvements can be seen in the iPhone. The original iPhone, released back in 2007, contained a 1,400 mAh battery. The iPhone 13, released last year, has 3,227 mAh, even though it's only slightly larger in physical size. Based on the Witch 2007 review that we dug out of our archives, the original iPhone 1 gave you 8 hours of call time. Whereas in our latest lab results, which use a robotic arm to interact with each phone until the battery runs flat, the iPhone 13 gives a remarkable 40 hours of use at reduced brightness. That's 7.5 hours longer than its predecessor, the iPhone 12, which, we think you'd agree, is a big improvement. However, clever chemistry can only get you so far. The other half of the battery equation is that our devices have also become much more energy efficient. The power demands of the semiconductors have generally dropped significantly, says Dr. Baker. Maybe two laptops ago, I was lucky to get maybe three hours away from the socket. But then a generation or two after that, the power demand from the processor was down by a factor of two, sometimes even more. Apple again is another good example of this phenomenon. In 2020, the company made a major change to its computers, switching them from chips designed by Intel to ones custom designed by Apple. Because the custom M1 chips were specifically designed to work with Apple software, they ran more efficiently and so generated less heat. And less heat means less need to switch on cooling fans, which ultimately means longer lasting batteries. In fact, because of these improvements, some of the company's entry level computers don't even need to include a cooling fan inside the case. Although we've seen improvements to battery tech, There's a limit to how much lithium-ion batteries can actually improve because at a certain point, the laws of physics intervene. And this comes back to battery chemistry. The current lithium-ion battery chemistries have a theoretical limit in terms of what they can deliver and we will hit that at some point, says Wise. So if batteries are to continue improving, completely new battery materials might be required. And although at the moment almost everything, from phones and laptops to electric cars, uses lithium-ion, it may not be the case that everything will use the same material in the future. Not every application wants to use the same battery, says Dr Baker. They often do at the moment because we know how to make one broad type of battery really well in big quantities so everyone uses it, but in the future we probably won't be in that situation. And in Dr Baker's view, the material used in the three parts of every battery could be upgraded in different circumstances. We mostly use graphite anodes, but there are things such as silicon that you can use as an anode material, which, in a theoretical sense, could have an enormously higher capacity. But, even if, on paper, silicon can store more energy than graphite, in the real world, it might not be so practical for sitting inside a phone's plastic casing. It would have to expand and contract on charging and discharging by a really big amount. So how you actually engineer that into something is tricky, says Dr Baker. Swapping materials using cathodes, the other half of the battery, might be even trickier, as illustrated by another experimental technology. A lithium air battery has a very high theoretical energy density, says Dr Baker, who can foresee a big problem with a battery that contains almost pure air. Stopping all the potential side reactions with any impurities and putting it into something the size of a laptop is very challenging. Not to say that we will never manage it, but it's certainly a lot further away. One technology Dr. Baker is particularly intrigued by is batteries that use polymer electrolytes, which are more of a gel instead of the liquid electrolytes found in regular lithium batteries. The advantage is that gel is more dense than liquid, so it can hold more energy. But the downside is the cost, given where technology currently is, which could limit further applications. If you think about scaling them up to the hundreds of kilo batteries that you have in a car, it's ludicrously expensive. But for the battery you'd have in a laptop, you might be prepared to pay more per unit of materials for a laptop battery than you are for a car because you don't need as much and you get a much more direct benefit in being able to use your laptop for 6 hours instead of 3 hours. Another future technology that is much further away is batteries that are made of fully solid materials. They'd be even more dense than a polymer gel but the chemistry is only half the battle as once again, it hits the problem of needing to work in the real world, and not just the lab. And this, ultimately, is perhaps just as important to improving batteries as finding materials that can hold the most energy. Because unlike scientists in the lab, we don't treat our phones well, so the batteries degrade over time. The way we use them is almost abusive, says Dr Baker. We expect them to charge quickly and then discharge moderately quickly, but not really quickly. We don't do very much to ensure they're kept at their happiest of temperatures and we've tried to fit them into a very small box. Based on our survey of laptop owners, the main problem that affects laptops is the battery life getting far worse over time. So, a future engineering challenge isn't just packing in more energy, but coming up with designs and materials that won't degrade as quickly. If that means your laptop could, instead of doing 500 battery cycles, do 5000, That probably pushes it beyond the time you want to keep the rest of the laptop and you're a happier customer.
1: Thank you to Harry and to James O'Malley too whose original work was published in the August issue of the Witch Computing magazine. Remember, you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. and Thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly where the exec producer was Angus Farker.